You're all very welcome. Uh, back to our Advent series here from St. Mary's Dominican Priory in Cork. Uh, my name's Father Philip Mulrine, and I want to speak today, obviously, on the readings uh, of this second Sunday uh, of Advent as we hopefully prepare ourselves uh, for the coming of Christ uh, this Christmas, that the Church gives us these seasons to uh, prepare ourselves spiritually, uh, especially for the coming of the Lord uh, at, on Christmas, um, but especially this preparation of our spiritual lives uh, for this great feast. So before we get into the readings uh, from this uh, second Sunday, maybe just to go over once more the very term Advent. Uh, what does it mean? What are we actually saying? Uh, we might have an understanding of it uh, already, but it really comes from the Latin word Adventus, which literally means coming towards or an arrival, uh, uh, someone of importance uh, coming to us uh, in many ways. So this coming towards, just to keep this in mind uh, as we go through this, this reflection and anything that I say uh, in relationship to that uh, coming of the Lord towards us uh, personally, each one of us as we travel through this liturgical season of Advent. So this word is so rich, um, as we know. And when we understand it in the sense of this coming towards the Lord coming to us, um, we can actually see that Advent is not just one period. The Lord comes to us all through life. Um, even though the church gives us this liturgical season to focus on his incarnation, um, especially at Christmas. But we can really link Advent, Christmas, right up to the Epiphany as one whole uh, one whole season, the coming of Christ, the manifestation of Christ in the child Jesus, uh, coming to us for our salvation. So the Lord doesn't depart, come at once, at one moment, and then depart uh, from the scene. And this is why the, the church presents these liturgical seasons to us, um, that we focus intensely on, yes, one historical manifestation of the Lord's coming, um, uh, at Christmas, but to think also of the repercussions of that, of God constantly trying to break into our life at all times. So it's one mystery, uh, all part of one mystery to which we focus on a particular element of it. So we may ask the question, you know, what is the purpose of the liturgical seasons of the year that the church places before us? Um, we go through them, um, Advent, uh, Lent, Eastertide, uh, and so forth, an ordinary time. And really the purpose um, of these liturgical seasons are to sanctify time and space, our time and space. God exists outside of time and space. We remember what he has done when we celebrate these liturgical seasons and they sanctify the time chronologically um, as we journey through life. So it's not just the memory of a past event, we're not just thinking, yes, 2,000 years ago, the Lord came, was born of the Virgin Mary and so forth. What we're celebrating is the sanctification of time, God breaking into our time in the person of Jesus. And so for each of us, each liturgical season has a particular grace. And this is so important um, that it's always new. God is always a God of the present moment for us, not just in the past, not in the future, but right now in this moment of time. And so therefore, 
the grace of Christ is available to us as we journey through Advent and especially as we arrive uh, at Christmas. So again, focusing on this coming towards of the Lord, this already tells us something very important about the very nature of God. So in the study of God, otherwise known as theology, talking about God, uh, studying him, what we can know through revelation and through the created world and so forth, theology talks about what's called the attributes of God. They speak of his wisdom, uh, his knowledge, his power and his goodness. These are called the attributes of God uh, in many ways. So I want to focus maybe for a few moments before we go into the readings uh, of this weekend, which will hopefully lead us to them, is this notion of God's goodness. What does it mean that God is good? So while we may see goodness in things, uh, we look around us, we see, especially if we think of the book of Genesis, all that God created was he found it very good. So God's goodness creates. And when we look at the natural world, for example, um, as something that raises our mind to God, that speaks of the creator, we see an imprint of his goodness in, the, in creation. And even when we look at human beings, in many ways, um, if we're attentive to how we describe goodness, we may see a particular person as good. And what are we actually saying? We may observe that this person does good things, that they perform good actions, but that's of a whole different order uh, than when we talk about God's goodness. God is good by nature, not just that he does good things, that it's an effect of his very nature overflowing into the things that he creates. And so therefore God is always seeking the good of that which he creates, each of us. Each of us, the created world, everything he creates, he seeks its good at all times. So Christ coming to us is seeking our good. And that good, obviously, for us uh, is salvation. And it's the end of life, life with God, eternal life with God in the communion of the saints. So St. Thomas Aquinas, the Dominican friar of the 13th century, when speaking about God's goodness, he says something very interesting that, Goodness, by its very nature, diffuses itself. It seeks to spread itself out. It can't be contained. And this really can bring our minds right back to the beginnings of creation. That in some sense, God's love, his power, his knowledge, his goodness, is an explosion in creation. It overflows from him into that which he creates. And at the end, at the book of Genesis, of this overflowing of God in creation, what do we see? We see the human person as the pinnacle of what God creates, made in his image and likeness. And when we think of this, we may think, you know, what is this to do with Advent? Well, really, what it tells us is that it's not so much us in search of God, <clears throat> but that God is the one who takes the initiative it overflows from who he is into what he creates. So God is seeking us and he seeks a response from each of us. Just in the last few days, we Dominicans here had a retreat, a community retreat given by a Cistercian monk, Father Elred McGee uh, of Port Glenome. And 
One of the things that struck me from what he said was this very notion of God seeking us first, not just us making our journey towards him, groping in the dark through faith to find him. This is the story of the incarnation. God takes the initiative. God comes towards us. And he said something very beautiful, that God wants to be noticed by us. He leaves his traces everywhere and he wants us to notice him. So sometimes he may seem hidden in our lives. Sometimes we may feel that we're groping in the dark, that we can't see him and so forth. Yet his traces are everywhere. And maybe uh, the onus is on us to notice him wherever he's seeking to break through in our lives, to break through our deafness and our blindness. Often we're, we're blind to the traces of God in, in daily life. So this notion of blindness or, or deafness, um, we can see that so many uh, of us are in need of spiritual sight to see God in the world around us, in the neighbour, uh, made in his image and likeness, and then possibly most importantly within ourselves. God tells us to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. Authentic love of self. What does that mean? That our dignity our self-esteem, our value, our worth comes from the fact that we are created in the image and likeness of God, his children, his adopted sons and daughters through baptism. This is the spiritual sight that is given to us uh, through the virtue of faith. And as we live in hope and charity, this sight becomes more clear, uh, more able to see the traces of God everywhere. So maybe for a moment, we look at the blind man in St. Mark's Gospel. Um, and the Lord posing this question to him. Seems a very obvious question. The blind man is in front of the Lord and he says, what is it that you want me to do? What do you want from me? Of course, we may think, well, it's very obvious what the blind man wants. He wants to see. And yet the Lord addresses this question to him. It's not just a surface level question. What do you want? He's looking for a response and something very deep from this blind man. And the response of the blind man is, Lord, that I may see. Lord, that I may see. So as we know, if we've read the scriptures, we'll see and possibly notice that a lot of the time the words seeing and knowing are interchangeable. To see is to know. To know is to see. It's not just about physical sight here. The blind man receives his sight, but much more importantly, he now knows the way. He now knows the Lord. He knows the one to whom he must follow, that this one is a person that has confronted him and posed this question to him. And he responds, Lord, that I may see, not just see you physically, but that I may know you and know the way. So this is what Advent is about for each of us. The Lord encouraging us to prepare a way in our hearts and our minds for his coming not just a one-off event, but the, so we can be better disciples, that we may know the way in front of us. And of course, the Lord is the way himself, the truth and the life. So maybe again, a question at this juncture of this reflection to pose uh, to each of us, that the Lord may address each of us personally at this time. The scriptures are alive in all times and places, not just this one event in this blind man's life. Maybe to ask ourselves, 
uh, this question as if the Lord is posing it to each of us personally. What is it that you want me to do? What is it that you really want? This is the question, the deepest question the Lord addresses to each of us. What does he want? What does he want from us? And what do we want him to do in our lives? So this is very different than, say, a parent asking a child what they want for Christmas. It's a deeper question which demands a response uh, from each of us. What do you want me to do? We to formulate that in our minds through our prayer as we move through Advent, this question. What is it we really want from the Lord Jesus? So again, we may ask ourselves why this is important in this season. And the reason why I'm emphasising uh, these elements of the word Advent, the goodness of God, uh, creating and taking the initiative uh, always, that it's not just a one-way relationship. The Lord has created us with intelligence and a free will. He wants us to freely choose him, and he waits for us in great patience. So what he demands of us or wants of us is to freely choose him to give our yes, that yes of Our Lady, that fiat of Our Lady to his will, under the impulse of grace, to choose him as the sole guide of our lives. This is what these preparing seasons are in the liturgical year of the church, Advent, Lent and so forth. The question is always the same. It's about discipleship. It's about salvation. The Lord wanting our yes, always new, each year when we come to these seasons. So the Lord pitches his tent among us. This is the, the gift and mystery of Advent. So recently, um, this, this notion of the Lord coming to us and our response was really highlighted for me. I came across uh, a, a lady that I know and, and spoke about the faith a little bit with her and, and knew that this person was undergoing some great struggles uh, as well, but who had great faith. And I asked this lady, you know, how is your faith um, in the midst of all of this? And she responded quite profoundly. She said, expectant. My faith is expectant. I expect the Lord to act. Something really to reflect on, uh, something quite beautiful, um, to have this faith that not only waits passively, but listens uh, and waits expectantly. I trust in the Lord and he will act, Psalm 37 tells us. Do we really believe this? that the Lord will act in his time, uh, in his providence, in his wisdom. And this is what faith does. This is what faith should be like, expectant, waiting for the Lord uh, to act. So, so many of us get tangled, I think, and discouraged. And I can speak from my own experience, maybe in different parts of my, uh, my spiritual life. We get tangled uh, in these kind of webs uh, and discouragement often, because we focus so much on ourselves. We start with ourselves. What can I do for the Lord? These resolutions we make, these promises, these oaths we make. And without knowing it very, uh, even subconsciously, very at a deep level, what God can become is a spectator to our project for our spiritual lives. This is what I'm going to do for God. And then what happens invariably is that we fall. We realise that we're weak. And God has a purpose for this also, to humble us, to come to understand that it's only really through his grace 
that we can become the people that he has created us to be. So this is the expectancy, trusting that the Lord will act uh, when we give him our consent, our free yes. Come into my life, Lord. Come into my life this Advent. Make something happen. Bring my faith fresh uh, and new. Again, this kind of came home to me uh, from my own personal experience a number of years ago when I was a seminarian before I joined the Dominicans. And coming from a, an athletic background and, and always striving um, to be the best and to achieve uh, and things like that, I translated that, I think, into my spiritual life um, again and, and lost my way a little bit, uh, focusing so much on myself, what I'm going to strive to do, all my effort, all my will, and really forgetting that really it's the Lord's grace that accompanies these things through the cooperation of our, of our wills. And it was a spiritual director I had at the time who really brought me back into the centre of how to understand uh, what the Lord does when he comes to us and the response that he demands from us. This uh, spiritual director turned to me and he said, you know, Philip at the time was a seminarian, he said, Philip, you need to be less like this and more like this. So less like this and more like this. And I didn't really grasp it at first, but what he says was, that he felt that I was clinging on, trying to earn the love of God, striving to climb this mountain, to conquer it. And he said, you need to be more like this. I suppose this receptive attitude to what the Lord wants to do for each of us this Advent. It's not passivity. It's not just waiting for things to happen. It is active, but it's receptive. And that receptivity opening ourselves to the Lord's action in our lives, then calls us to respond and to in turn bring what we have received to those we encounter, those most closest to us. So in this sense of the spiritual life, we've, we can now focus on uh, for a few moments on the readings because they're directly linked. The two readings today, first from the, the prophet Baruch and the gospel, um, especially focused on John the, St. John the Baptist, Get at the same thing, clearing the way for the Lord. Our role in doing that, but also that the Lord's role is primary. He is the one that levels uh, the mountains, that makes the path straight. And yet we as free cooperators with his grace have our part to play in that also. So maybe just for a moment we turn to the prophet Baruch in the first reading as we read. Jerusalem, take off your dress of sorrow and distress. Put on the beauty of the glory of God forever. Since God means to show your splendour to every nation under heaven. Since the name God gives you forever will be peace through integrity and honour through devotedness. Arise, Jerusalem, stand on the heights and turn your eyes to the east. So this is very beautiful. It maybe takes a little bit of unpacking. So when we understand what a prophet is, the mouthpiece of God, who then becomes the very message uh, himself, um, not just someone who speaks uh, a message from the Lord, but embodies it. What is the prophet Baruch telling us today? Take off what weighs us down. Take off the dress of sorrow and distress and put on what God offers. 
set it aside, set the burdens aside as much as is within our power, set them down, leave them aside, the sorrow and distress that weighs us down and put something on, put on Christ. Everything points to Christ. The whole Old Testament point points to the Lord himself as its fulfilment. Put on the beauty and glory of God through the prayer, through sacraments, through his grace, fashioning us in his image and so forth. God will replace our sorrow and distress with peace and integrity. This word peace um, is often very much misunderstood. It's not just about um, getting on well with people. It's not just uh, coming to an agreement that we won't fight and so forth. It's a much deeper reality when the Lord speaks of peace. It's something interior. This is what the Lord says to the apostles after the resurrection. My peace I give you. He breathes on them. He uh, imparts to them his peace. And that peace changes them inside. That takes away their fear, being locked in the upper room. And they burst open and they go and preach the resurrected Christ. That peace has taken away fear and anxiety and they become new in some very real way. This is the peace and the integrity, the wholeness of ourselves in the peace of Christ that the Lord imparts to the soul through grace. This is what the prophet Baruch is telling us. How do we do this? He says, arise Jerusalem and stand on the heights and turn your eyes to the east. Very important to stand on the heights. What does he mean? To lift ourselves up through God's help. To lift ourselves up and raise our minds to him. To stand on the heights. Through prayer, we raise our mind to the Lord. We think of what he's doing, what he's done and what he's about to do in our lives. And we trust him. Turning our eyes to the east is to focus on Christ. Where Christ came, uh, this Adventus, where he came historically and where he will return. This is what it means, keeping our eyes focused on the Lord the Prince of Peace, as the Gloria, as we say in the Gloria uh, at Christmas. And of course, when we get to the Gospel, we have the same message, really, uh, from St. John the Baptist. Just a word about St. John the Baptist, kind of character he was. What was his life about? This was not a man divided, not a man who's had multiple pursuits in life. His life was about one thing. And one thing that was necessary, that one thing necessary, uh, as the Lord said to Mary, Mary of Bethany, she has chosen the better part, the one thing necessary. John the Baptist's mission was to prepare a way for the Lord. And he was undeterred from accomplishing what the will of God was for him, which took great patience and at times possibly wavering, as we saw uh, when he was imprisoned sending his disciples to go and ask him, are you the one who was to come or should I wait for another? St John the Baptist is looking for confirmation of his life's mission. And it's the same for each of us. Through baptism, through the Lord coming to us, he gives us this mission to make him known only insofar as we've known him ourselves and we communicate what we know to those around us. 
So like John the Baptist, the singularity of heart and mind. What is it that God wants me to do? Maybe this is the second question that we ask ourselves. What is it God wants from me? It's not a puzzle. He doesn't set before us a jigsaw puzzle, something to work out in this sense. What he wants is our sanctification, as St. Paul tells us. He wants us to be holy, to be conformed to his Son in Christ, and then to be sent as his followers. And then that takes shape in the different vocations uh, that we have. And then we seek the means, how we prepare that way for the Lord in our own lives, and how we prepare the way for others to come to him, to be signposts, those who point uh, to the Lord. This comes about by being rooted in his word. This is why we're focusing on his words, the revealed word of God through the prophet Baruch, and here, um, as we read in the gospel, in this St. John the Baptist preparing the way for the Lord, because God's word is different. How is God's word different than human words? When we watch the news, when we hear all these reports, especially at this time we find ourselves in so much uncertainty, so much confusion, who to be trusted, what word to be trusted. And yet this question is addressed to us, whose word do we follow? How can we know the way? There's a huge difference between God's word and the words of human beings. The words of human beings describe reality. We describe the things around us, the things that we can see and touch and hear and so forth. We describe things that are already there. We give reports of things. But God's word changes things. That's the difference. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Jesus speaks and things happen. The Lord's word is read by us and it changes something within, even if we don't feel it. This is why we can trust it at all times, base our whole life on it, because it is true for all times and all places. It changes something inside. It just doesn't describe things around us. The Lord's word goes forth from his mouth, as the prophet Isaiah tells us in chapter 55, and it accomplishes what it's set out to do. Do we trust the Lord's word that in his time it will accomplish in each of us, especially this Advent, what it sets out to do? And so, brothers and sisters, maybe just to, to leave us at, at this second Sunday of Advent, just to focus on this coming of the Lord, to focus on the goodness of, of God as seen in Christ, what he has done for us prior to what we do for him, that he wants to come into the, each of our lives very deeply and personally as we journey towards Christmas. And what he asks of us is to prepare the way, as St John the Baptist tells us, that he will level out the mountains, the valleys, that he will help us to let go of the burdens, the anxieties, if only we root our lives in his word and we give him our yes. So Christmas is not just about preparing for the festivities. Advent is, are these weeks of preparing the soul, preparing ourselves through prayer, through almsgiving, through possibly a little bit of fasting, 
preparing the soul, clearing the soul away of what weighs it down so that God can come and flow into us in a very new and surprising way this Christmas. So this is what I pray for each of us, myself and you, who, who watch this uh, and listen to this reflection, that the Lord's word may accomplish in you and in me what it has set out to do. That his plan for each of our lives, that we become more like Christ and become more of ourselves. So may the Lord bless each of you as you journey towards this great mystery, this great feast uh, of Christmas. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.